to just go into very quickly just a background into yourself so you come from a PR background marketing background yeah um, I ran my own business for the last sort of 16 years um, successfully we worked with companies all over the UK we did a lot in food and drink actually okay not necessarily you know healthy food and drink <laughs> that's fine um, it's, it's not a problem um, but so, yeah that's, that was that was quite an interesting role I had okay so how did you first how did you get into that side of things so there's a huge area now with social media and so on as well with the PR side so. well yeah when I got into it social media didn't even exist no most businesses didn't even have a website um, I, I mean first and foremost I guess I'm a writer you know that's kind okay. of where my sort of key sk- skills are and so I, I sort of fell into PR if you like um, although I had a sort of marketing degree and, and sort of background in it so yeah the whole industry has changed you know massively um, and 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 for the good I think I think it's you can measure social you know activity marketing activity well now in social media yeah. but I guess the downside is like so many people are making the news um, and it's not always um, objective or re- or real news so it's quite a hard industry to to work in mm. when there are when there's so much noise out there so, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think we, we saw such a lot of change. I mean, I started, we used to put press releases and transparencies in, in envelopes and send them to journalists. Yeah. We used fax machines, you know. God, who does that now? Yeah. Um, so explain fax. I don't <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you want to get a bit of news out, you, you tweet it and it's out. And, yeah. and the journalists are following it. It's not actually very hard to be um, to, to get your message out there I guess what is hard is you know establishing consistent good you know PR um, so yeah the industry's changed a lot and I'm and I guess maybe that's one of the reasons why I felt I wanted a change um, and that's why I, I kind of like one of the reasons I closed the business you know last year sure and you work for yourself now still doing freelance freelance stuff yep um, copywriting and advising companies on marketing strategy but I don't have a team of people that I have to manage and, and that was a, a good choice for me. You know, I wanted better work-life balance. You know, I was working, you know, 50, 60 hours a week, running a team of people and, and finding it very, very stressful. And often working for businesses that I didn't necessarily feel very passionate about. Yeah. And, you know, I'm the other side of 40 and I sort of felt I don't really want to be doing this for the next 20 years. So now is a good time to make a change. Yeah. Excellent. So in that regard, then let's move and just talk about your current venture. This is exciting. So tell, tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's really exciting, actually, because um, the, the reason I set it up was to try and inspire other people to be healthy and, you know, keep, eat well and keep fit. Um, and it's a path that, you know, I sort of started on myself back in 2012. You know, I was pretty um, overweight. I'd had three kids and although I'm sort of like five, eight, I was, you know, probably pushing 90 kilograms. I was pretty really? heavy. Okay. Um, and um, so I, I started off, I went to a, I went to a boot camp. Um, I met someone like yourself who really inspired me to, to make changes and really believed in me. And so, you know, having been down that journey now, I feel like I want to give back. Mm. I want to inspire people. Um, and I've already, that's, a, that's such a rewarding journey and you will know about that because you will have inspired so yeah. many people. Um, so yes, while it is a commercial business, uh, it's, for me it's just about being able to encourage other people to get on this journey and you know, be the best they can be. Yeah, There's, it's so true. The inspiration that we have, I think, the opportunity to offer in this industry is enormous. And I think now is really, people are starting now to understand it. It, before it was another thing you could do you might exercise you might not but it seems to be that it's a much bigger a hu- much bigger thing now it's a huge in the last 10 years and I think the sole reason really I got into it in the first place was to, to hopefully pass on my passion for it to other people and hopefully I, I do that but it's it's an interesting industry in that way because it is just a very passionate. I don't. I don't see a lot of other industries that are, are that passionate about passing on a message. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. Um, you know, I, I also sort of think that people have changed, changing their mindsets now. They're not thinking about diet, for example, as a diet that I do for twelve weeks. I lose X amount of stone and that's it done. Yes. Um, the you know, and my message is definitely about it's long term. It is healthy choice. It's good habits. It's lifestyle. It's not something that you just do um, occasionally. 
and actually I don't really like the word diet as such you know that's 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 really not what I'm about and so when I work with people and they ask me well what am I what should I you know where's my meal plans well I don't really meal plan for you what I'm trying to do is educate you so that you can do it yourself give you good cues good nutrition good understanding of what that looks like um, and then help you and encourage you to to put that in place so my aim is to work with people over a period of initially uh, eight, eight weeks and hopefully by the end of the eight weeks they've got enough good habits to be able to go away and you know do it themselves mm-hmm. so I guess from a business point of view that's not the best strategy no. because you know to look for people like all the time yeah but um, it is still it's still sort of very embryonic business and I've still got other ideas and things please want to take it so for me at the moment it is and, and if anybody goes on the website and has a look they will see when all through on the blogs and things that I put on there that it is very much about you know you know motivating people and saying like you you know you can do this mm-hmm. you can do whatever challenge that you set your mind to yeah. you know if you've got the right support group around you I think the support is important, particularly at the start of the journey. You know, I would advocate people having personal trainers like yourself and having, you know, taking advice because a bit like um, the news, you know, there's so much noise out there on the internet. You don't really know, like, what's good advice and what's bad advice. So, you know, going to somebody who's qualified, I think, is always a a good place to start. Yeah, I think it's it's so easy to be swayed by an Instagram post or a, (laughs) trust me, the lighting looks good and everything's great, but... (laughs) that was the 15th time it you know I've taken that shot before it looks good so I think it, there's so much it's so easy especially with nutrition to to get uh, have your head turned yep and it's um it's a tricky it's a real tricky area because there, there's always a magic pill there's always this quick fix diet yeah and like that was that always I don't think that was always a thing it seems to be much bigger now and is that is that potentially because people are more exposed now because of social media Possibly. I mean, there are a lot of products. I think the food industry is guilty of jumping on the kind of fitness bandwagon and developing products that are supposed to be kind of miracle products, if you like. And um, and superfoods, you know, we understand a lot more about foods and how we market and promote them. But I think that's really confusing. I mean, essentially, nutrition hasn't changed since, you know, since the 70s. I mean, yeah. how, what we should eat and we drink is, is still the same. We should still drink as much water as we possibly can and not drink as much caffeine. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> But, you know, the, when, when, when I grew up, you know, it, 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 obesity wasn't such a big thing. A lot of that would be to do with the fact that we've, we've got more disposable income now, yeah. I guess, and, and we do live more sedentary lifestyles because we have a lot of tech, which means we don't go out as much. But, you know, the fundamentals of health and fitness and food and drink, I think, are the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but you are so right. You know, you can easily be swayed by a, a picture on Instagram and somebody saying, you know what, do this and you will look like this. Yeah. Um, there is no quick fix. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it is um, be, being sensible and, I mean, yeah, be open to new ideas. Yeah, I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly when I'm training, I, I will use, you know, energy gels, whereas, you know, years ago they wouldn't have been around. And, you know, so there are there There's are sort of good... been some and, progression. For, yeah, yeah, there is good progression and there is innovation. Um, but it's understanding that um, bef- rather than just buying it, absorbing it and not necessarily using it in the right way. Yeah. One of the things you said there that jumped to me was, was saying, obviously, we've got more dis- disposable income. That seems to be a theme. Hmm. However, things, you know, the cost of living is not cheap, but people do have. But I think a lot of it is you can go to fill in the blank any fast food restaurant and spend four pounds and have a full meal. And that's. To me, that's a real problem. If there's, if you want to go and have a decent meal somewhere, it costs you fifteen pounds. Yeah, it's, it's a different. It, that's so cheap to get bad food. It is, and and I also think there's a perception, particularly with some low-income families, is that eating healthy costs a lot of money, but actually it doesn't. Mm. I think understanding how to make healthy meals and how to do it quickly and efficiently is is something that you know people don't necessarily understand as well as they used to. Um, and, and that's definitely an area I want to, to look at and, and help people with as a, as a progressive business. Yeah. So if I, so today I, I, I go on the website and I start, what's the website by the way? It's healthy-forlife.com. Okay, perfect. <laughs> healthy-forlife.com. So if I go onto there and I sign up and initially we have an eight week process. Yep. 
How does it work? Do we meet face to face? Is it online? How do I converse? Well, I mean, depending where you live, we can meet face to face or we can do it over the phone. Um, I tend to start with uh, a process where I get people to fill in um, a couple of documents, which just outline to me where they are currently with their, you know, their current sort of health and fitness, what their goals are, you know, why they want to start down this line. You know, people have to be ready for change for them to to actually want to, to do it and to do it successfully. Yeah. Um, and then we have a conversation and, and a call where we look around setting some smart goals, you know, some something that is, you know, achievable within a small period, a, a kind of short-term period, and then a, a long-term period. And, and people have different reasons for doing it. Um, you might be pretty fit and healthy already, but you want to make some additional improvements. You're not sure about how to do that and, and what you eat and how you can eat can affect your performance. Or it might just be pure weight loss um, and someone looking to start that, that journey. So we start with the conversation um, and then I use an app to get them to, to track and to log their food. And, some, and that helps me look at um, what they're eating, what the balance is like and make some recommendations. So there is a, there is a bit of having to, to log calories and, 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 and standing on the scales. And, and to be frank, you know, that's something that I never myself like doing. Yeah. But but actually, it's quite important to to do that just so that you can, you know, visibly understand and see you know you're going in the right direction. Um, and so at that point, so what happens is then people have signed up to the the, the plan, and and throughout every week on that plan, they'll be in touch with me. We have a WhatsApp group that I'll send tips and motivation and you know conversations back and forward. So they're never alone really yeah. um, to help them through the journey. Um, and, and then sort of once a week we have a sort of a proper sort of re- regroup just to check that, that we're on track. Um, so that's, that's really how, how it Fantastic. works. Fantastic. I love that. And as far as nutritional guidance, is there, is there anything that you kind of go, right, I've got these hard and fast rules that I really believe in, or is it very bespoke? Um, it's, it's bespoke to each person because you need to know where their, where their starting point is. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't just you can't build a plan and say, well, if you everybody should eat this amount of calories yeah. and this, but it doesn't work like that. And and obviously, you know, certain individuals they might might struggle with particular areas and others. But I do have some some hard and fast rules, yeah. I guess. So in terms of like how how much fruit and vegetables want to eat, how much water to intake, you know, alcohol, and you know, so I give them the rules if you like yeah. in inverted commas. But they will the plan itself will be much more sort of bespoke to that individual and where they are at, sure. at, the, at the moment and the starting okay. point. So, and, and will you take into account things like their um, exercise expenditure as well? Yeah. Because that needs to be that's obviously quite a big area. Uh, absolutely. So in, in terms of, um, and again, uh, inverted commas, diets, um, and not all of them have, a lot of them have a lifestyle feel to them and people kind of dive onto that in the same way they might dive onto IMA, triathlete or I am a crossfitter or I am a whatever things like I'm going to fire out a couple of things at you things like paleo keto diets do where do you sit with things like that it's a big topic of conversation on our nutrition days on the course. So where do you sit with those sorts of things? Well, I'm, at the moment, I'm not really experienced enough to, to help people with, with specific diets. Sure. I mean, I, I guess I'm sort of more at the general um, end of the scale. So okay. I'm not specialist enough to recommend or say, you know, do this or do that. I mean, yeah. I would research it and make some advice. But, you know, my guidance is... It's, I mean, it's certainly more... It's based around a more sort of traditional approach. Sure. Um, at the moment but yeah I'm still learning so okay that's interesting so it's it's because I mean I think people try and run before they can walk a lot of the time so it's easy to go I need to be on this I need to be on that or I have to think about my protein powder or whatever without getting the basics and foundation right yeah so I think it's great that they've got somewhere to go to find that foundation yeah um and it's very mis. it can be very misleading you pick up a copy of men's health or you, you know whatever you go on any website it's easy to find the latest and greatest thing what about things like supplementation? Would you touch any areas of that? Are you are you a believer in that sort of side of things? Um, well, for for general weight loss, probably not. Mm-hmm. But for someone who is looking for performance related nutrition, then it would depend. Yes, I mean it would depend. You know where, what they're actually trying to achieve. Um, supplements, so I mean maybe like creatine, yeah. fine. You know, depending on what you want to, what you're wanting to achieve with that. You know, build muscle, or you know what your actual area of interest is. But actual specific supplements um, that are outside of the kind of norms, I would be struggling to... I I wouldn't really necessarily want to advise that. 
Um, and I've been thinking about that a lot as well, just with my own sort of performance. Because when I go out cycling, you know, I take my nutrition with me. Yeah. Um, and that looks like, um, you know, bottles with um, carbs, carb, um, in it and per- and perhaps some energy bars. Not so much gels. I try and stay away from gels unless I'm running because I can. I'm quite. I like eating whole food on the bike. But other people have a diff- very different approach to that. And if it, for me, though, we can overcomplicate this. We, I used to go out, you know, cycling with my father, you know, when I was a kid. And he had a, he was the only one in the family of four that had a water bottle on his bike. And we would literally go for miles. And he'd a packet of extra strong mints. And yeah. that was it. Now, I'm not suggesting <laughs> you go with a packet of extra mints and one water bottle. It's not one of the rules, no? <laughs> it's not one of the rules. But... We can massively overcomplicate mm-hmm. this. If you're going out for a two-hour bike ride, you don't need to take loads of gel stuff. You, I think that, um, and actually, I read this to Chrissy Wellington, you know, the amazing Ironman world champion. You know, she said, you know, why are people taking food to with them when they're going for an hour or two hours? It's just not necessary. You know, you really are overcomplicating. You don't need carbs in your in your water if you're exercising up to sixty minutes. Now, that might not be a hard and fast rule. Yeah, but. You know, from someone who's been a pro level, I think you know yes. she, she knows. But I, I completely agree. I mean, I, I'd sort of stopped going out in a lot of um, group rides because there was too many stops and too much cake. It's yeah. like, oh my God, we haven't burned enough off yet it's to have that. So true. You have the groups, and you go. We're going to cycle to this bakery. We're going to eat there, <laughs> and it, it's is great. But again, I, I look at it and kind of go, that's that's still cool. Like it's if balanced. you're, yeah, if you're going to be cycling on the weekends and you're in a group and it gets you out, you're way better off than kind of going, I'm going to sit on the couch all morning and eat cake instead. So I'm a big believer in that balance. And I think we can, as trainers as well, I think we can end up putting ourselves up on a pedestal that is difficult for our clients to reach and almost passing judgment on that without without pa- actually passing judgment and telling them this is wrong, that's wrong, you can, you can preach too much of a clean, quote, lifestyle. Yeah. And it can be a problem because people look at it and go, well, I can't achieve that. So I'm probably not going to even achieve half of what you want me to achieve. They fall off the wagon. And it's very easy done, I think. Um, and I think often it's, it's, and we try and preach it on our courses a lot of the time, is you are an advert, you are a role model, but be a role model in both ways. Like, don't just be a role model in, look at my six pack, be a role model in, have a bit of balance in your lifestyle as well. Yeah, I think that's like such a good point. You know, for a couple of people I've been working with recently, um, they haven't got a fitness background at all. And, you know, I would try and encourage them to, to do some sort of exercise. And it's thinking down to that level. And I don't mean that as a, you know, dumbing it down. No. I'm just, it's, you know, the, going out for a 10-mile cycle would scare the heck out of them. They wouldn't want to do that. Even running around the park. So it's baby steps. Yeah. Um, and it might just be steps. You know, maybe it is that the 10,000 steps a day or, you know, just getting them to, to get themselves in the pool and do a couple of lanes. You know, it's a different measurement and it's got to be bespoke to that person. Mm. Um, I mean, I've worked with, I've had some really good trainers and I've had a couple of really not so good trainers as well who, who've just looked at the numbers and not yeah. actually talked to me and looked at me and realised that I'm tired, I'm not up to it or whatever that might be. And so, yeah, you can't just look at the, the numbers, as you will know. Um, yeah. And you have to bespoke that fitness plan for for every person yeah i think sometimes i mean we i was talking to a friend of mine the other day about this and um i think some trainers in a in a view to gaining clients and business will undersell their services so they, they price themselves really low and obviously you end up being very busy in the daytime because people will dive onto that but then you'll probably end up resenting doing it doing the work for that little when you're putting so much work in yeah and it doesn't help you in the long run. It pulls down probably the credibility of the whole industry because when some trainers are charging £40 a session and some are charging 20 well, what's the difference? And why should I go to you and charge double? Why should I be paying that? But actually, probably everyone should be coming up towards that level because they're suddenly bringing everything down. I find it quite hard when it comes to that. And there is a lot of work that goes into it. So looking at that as far as what I'm trying to get across is is there is a lot of work involved and there's a there's... Um, I think it's very easy for us to kind of go one size fits all when we start to blanket approach our rates as well. Yeah. So if you want to have bespoke business, you have to charge for that. And people need to understand that it, it's a difficult thing to do. 
and you're worth the va- your value of the money. It's, it's important. And I think we need to understand that the fitness sector is a professional service. Yes. It is a professional service that people who are delivering it are qualified. You know, if they have the qualifications, they have invested as much as a lawyer or an accountant has in their career. So I think the whole industry has a reputation management issue, really. The, it's important and it is, it's going to be difficult because mm-hmm. you have the, the large, you know, local authority run facilities that you're, you're sort of, you're, you're up against and, and, and it's trying to install people there's a real value in having someone standing behind you that that fully understands your nutrition your fitness and how to create a plan yeah. and not just someone who's downloaded a plan off the internet or has a one-size-fits-all and, and the amount of time that goes into that but I, 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 I sympathize I think that yeah that you're sector has has been sort of massively um, low in terms of charges for, mm. for a very long time and it's the same with the, the weight loss sector if you look at Weight Watchers I mean I don't know it's maybe two pounds or whatever to go a week or yeah. whatever it is I don't know it's it's so minimal yeah. that, that that will take people in, in people will go down that route and you can't really blame them but I don't believe what they are delivering is enough in the way of education to sort of really change people for the longer term yeah um yes they, they do you know they do some good but my experience of people who've gone through those similar slimming world weight watchers whatever is that the yo-yo the yo-yo diet because mm-hmm. they look at it as a diet and not as a way of life and making good habits it's making good habits but yeah i mean it, it is hard to price to price it it's difficult when you talk about those sorts of um business cal- calorie counting groups or and there's some solid principles in terms of group um participation and you talked about social network earlier and having people in your yep. group that are that are involved, and that's quite empowering. But again, it's it's nothing if it's not if you're not educating people. I don't I've never been, so I don't know. Mm. But it's it's nothing to it doesn't help you if you're not being educated long term into how to actually select the correct foods for you and the correct volumes of food for you and so on. So it's very it can end up being kind of a I'll go back there because that worked last time. Yeah. Whereas actually that statement is really flawed because it didn't work last time because otherwise you wouldn't have to go back. <laughs> That's a good point. But none of the, thinking about this, none of the personal trainers I've worked with over the years have ever talked to me about nutrition. Really? None, not in any detail. And at, and at the start of my journey when I was you know heavily overweight, the, the the guy I worked with was absolutely brilliant, motivating through the boot camp, but he never never talked to me about what I should be eating, you know. Mm. So I did that, and I guess that's one of the reasons why I decided to retrain and to. I mean, I did an advanced diploma in nutrition and sports nutrition, and really to get that understanding because I I got so many conflicting viewpoints and nothing other than. Um, if you're going out for a long ride, make sure you're eating every hour, and you know all of that stuff. And think, yeah. oh, come on, you know that's 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 fine, but that's yeah. not enough information. That's true. And as I say, I'm still I'm still learning. I'm, I wouldn't say that I am you know a massive expert in that field. I'm not, but I do know enough to help people understand how to to do it for themselves. Yeah, I think one of the one of the issues often is is um, in terms of that is your um, almost jurisdiction as a trainer. It's, it's difficult to know where the guidelines are. Mm. Like I asked about supplementation earlier based on the fact that it's a big no-no in all the syllabus that we have to deliver. You, you can't be advising clients on you should have this supplement or that supplement unless you know every single chemical that's in that supplement. Yeah. That's a real problem. But it, realistically, you should be able to go, right, listen, this is at the very minimum, this is your base level of how you should be eating. Um, whether it's lack of processed foods, whether it's more fruit and veg or whatever. And it, those are the things we should be delivering to clients. And so that surprises me that it's not happening. But sometimes I think the scare tactics, people kind of go, oh, I don't think I'm allowed to talk about nutrition too much, so I won't talk about it at all. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, you know what the personal training qualifications actually cover, but in my experience, it's, 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 never, really, it's never really come up at yeah, all. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and you know, and I've worked with a few who are really knowledgeable about you know their training and how to you know your strength conditioning, whatever. But yeah, not not around nutrition. Interesting. So listen up, guys. You need to be talking about this stuff. Um, so let's go on to your training. So you've got quite a diverse background in pretty extreme endurance events. How did you get into? So which ones have you done? You've done full Ironman yeah I've done Ironman twice and um, I've done um, ultra marathon it's my first ultra marathon this uh, year how long would be an ultra marathon 57 kilometers 
Crikey. Okay. So that's a baby one, though. Is it? That was just me dipping my toe in the water. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so let's get into that. So you, you start your journey a few... Well, how many years ago were you starting when you said you were overweight? And, 2012. So six years. Mm-hmm. And you step into a gym and you're not experienced at all. No. And so how do you go from that to... When was your first Ironman? Um, 2017 so yeah so five years yep. you got to a point where you're doing a full Ironman <laughs> I know I did jump up quite quickly I'll I say um, but um, well yeah I mean the first the first year was really about losing the weight uh, getting fit and finding the enjoyment for it mm. um, I mean I, I, as I said before you know I, I used to cycle as a kid and I loved it um, I was never much of a runner but I, I used to swim a lot but not front crawl it was always kind of breaststroke yeah. so um, Head out yeah. of the water. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think what happened was I'm, I'm sort of the sort of person that if somebody sets me a challenge, like I, I like to sort of take it on. Okay. And so the, the first thing that happened was that someone asked if I would cycle, do a, a charity cycle. Um, and it was 30 miles, which, you know, n- is not far. But at the time, I, I couldn't imagine cycling 30 miles. Um, and I did that on, on, a, on my old Halfords Apollo bike with a shopping <laughs> basket on the front, yes. um, but in which I put my sandwiches. Uh, yeah. and, and I did that. Were the right macro split for you? <laughs> no, no, probably not. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure I had some jelly babies in there as well. Good. Um, and but I no did, strong mints. No strong mints. Um, so I did that and and you know really it was a it was a difficult 30 miles but by the end of it I came home with a smile on my face and just remembered like how much I loved cycling and that's kind of what started me then I went and got a road bike um which cost me more than my first car I think (laughs) at entry level apparently but you know still a few hundred pounds uh joined a cycling group and went from there um and then and the next challenge that I was asked to do, again, it was for raising money for charity, um, was the ride across Britain. So mm-hmm. in 2013, so really quite soon into my journey, I, in the June, I did John Groats to Land's End. Wow. Um, and that was an amazing experience. How long did that take? Uh, nine days. Is wow. 100, I think we averaged about 114 miles a day. Um, so there was a big group of us doing it as part of the Deloitte Ride Across Britain, um, which happens every year, and I, mean, I highly recommend it. I, I'd love to do it again now that I'm fitter. Um, but yeah, we, we cycled every day and we stayed in tents, which sounds awful, but it wasn't. Yeah. It, it, was, it, was a really, it was really good. So you've lost me at tents. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the Deloitte, uh, it's, it's, it's the whole um, threshold events put it on, and they are so slick at this. The you know, food was great and everything, but it was just beautiful you know cycling um from from one end of the country to another um i raised a lot of money for charge so that that was my next one and then after that um one of my friends suggested i might do a sprint triathlon i thought well, why not that sounds all right um so I, I did practice in the pool and you know the first time i went in did front crawl at one length i was dead yeah. you know it was awful um <laughs> so that's the toughest bit because most people if they're going to do fitness they're probably mm. okay with a bike and they probably get into running but swimming is a real skill that's it's, it's not something we lose so we can we learn to swim so we can swim yep and then not many people carry it on it's technically really hard as well yeah. and it's one if you don't run for a few weeks you can go back out and run and it doesn't feel great but you know you, if you don't swim for a few weeks you sort of you lose the feel of the water yeah. completely so so yeah so I, that's kind of I fell into triathlon um and I joined the Chippenham Tri Club and did lots of over the space of a year did lots of different distances um and then I did the half iron event I did the 113 at the, okay. the Cotswolds yeah uh, the guys that run that, yeah, good guys. Yeah, really great guys. Yeah. Graham's a brilliant event yeah. organiser and it's, a, it's an excellent event. So I did that um, and, I, and I loved it. Although I always felt the bike leg was a little bit short for me because that's my, my strongest okay. bit. And I just, you know, I thought, well, maybe I'll step up to the full distance. It's still a big jump though, doing a half Ironman <laughs> from a sprint. Yeah, I did a couple of Olympics on the way, but yeah, I guess I'm not one to shy away yeah. from the challenge and... Yeah, I really enjoyed the training, and so I thought, yeah, let's just go for it. And and I had I had the right support group around me again, yes. you know. I had the, the tri club there all saying, you know, you can do it. Um, so I did that, and then I signed up for um, Ironman Weymouth. Uh, that would have been f- to take place in 2016. But I fell off my bike, and I gave myself a nasty injury on, on my leg, which took me about a year to, to recover from. Um, 
and uh, and then so I, I couldn't take part in I'm I'm a nightmare because I've never actually ever set, set out to do an event before and never achieved it. Yeah. So that was disappointing. Um, uh, Have but, you since done Weymouth? No, they haven't put. Um, did they put the? No, I haven't because um, I decided I would do uh, Switzerland as my first one. Okay. I went to watch a client of mine do his first half Ironman in Weymouth. Yeah. And it's it just it's beautiful. You're up and down, up and down, up and down on the beach. Mm-hmm. So I think he had to go up, down, up, down, up. And that was where the finish line was. And he yeah. did a half. But we finished his event, gone off to... And everyone leaves at pretty much the same time, right? It's six o'clock in the morning or whatever. Yeah. So we went off and we're like, right, celebrating. Let's go and have a, a drink and go and have some food. And so we did that. I said, right, look, I've got to go home. It's Sunday night now. I've not been home all weekend. So I'd go and dive in the car. And as I'm going to the car park, I walk past where all the bikes are stored. And there are the full Ironman competitors coming back from their bike leg. Yeah. And it's eight o'clock at night. And now they've got a full marathon. And I, that, that was the point where it struck me as, okay, that's a serious endeavor. Like it's a half Ironman is serious, you know? Yeah, it is. But it's a good, I couldn't believe that these guys then had to get off and go and do... Well, yeah, it's, it's a long day at the office. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, for me, that is by far my favorite distance. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I 100% believe, you know, anybody can do it. I really do because it is just about dedication and training and belief a huge amount of belief yeah. if you want something and you believe you can do it you, you will yeah um and 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 it's one thing i think that uh you know the iron man community do really well is kind of inspire other people to to to, to do it so yeah it, it can be well you've got 17 hours generally to to complete it um, uh, thankfully, I've never needed 17 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, the pros are, are doing it in well, eight, eight hours is uh, uh, unbelievable. It's incredible. I, I don't, I just can't even comprehend that. But yeah, you got your swim is, is uh, 63.8 kilometers. Um, then you've got your 112 miles on the bike, and then you've got your marathon on the end. That's crazy. Uh, but it, it is, a, it is yeah. a great, it's a great experience. I, I cut you there. Sorry. So Switzerland, you wanted to, that's where you were in the story. Oh, yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so I decided to do uh, Switzerland. Uh, my partner Adrian, he had done Switzerland before, um, and so he said it was like a, it was an absolutely beautiful lake swim. I, I didn't really fancy a sea swim for my yeah, first one. I would say Weymouth is a tough swim yeah. you know, for the half or the full. It's a tough swim. It's um, it's always cold and it's usually windy and mm. you know lots of waves, but. Um, the swim was Lake Geneva, and it was just like literally like swimming in a bath. It was yeah. beautiful, um, and also the 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 bike route looked good, challenging enough. A couple of really big climbs in it, um, and and again, just cycling in the Alps is incredible. And then the run, it was hot. I mean, the, the run was was lovely. It was three big loops of, of within the town uh, centre, and it was really well supported, lots of crowds, but it was hot. Yeah, that, that was the only thing was it was touch and go whether it was going to be wetsuit swim really? or not. Um, but. As somebody who has come from the land of drizzle, yeah, <laughs> I, I'll take that. I, I, I thought, well, that's okay. And actually, I do okay running in the heat. But um, again, it's part of the the support that's there in the day. There's a lot of ice and water, and if you've got a cap on, and you're you're fine. Yeah. You, just, you just keep going. But yeah, so that was great. So my first one I did in 14 hours. So, wow. Um, and I was really chuffed with that. Yeah. Um, particularly as I, I I wasn't sure if like the run on the end I think I wasn't 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 feeling so great, but you know it came through. And then I did uh, Santa Rosa, um, which is in California, in May. Wow. And I took an hour off my time. Really? So I was really and that would be hotter? Um, no, actually. I mean, it was similar, but it wasn't hotter. Right. But again, it was lake swim. But yeah, it, it was um, it, the way I would like to do it is sort of have a holiday around yes. the, the race as well. So yeah, that was really fantastic. But next year I've signed up to do Lanzarote. And I'm, okay. I'm <laughs> yeah. Anytime you say Lanzarote to anybody that knows, right? <laughs> Lanzarote. So this, on my understanding, this is there and Hawaii are the two that are the toughest. I would say Wales and Lanzarote, oh, yeah. and obviously Kona is like yeah. the, the the hardest. But I think if 
you asked anybody in the Ironman community who's Wales and Lanzarote, I mean, Adrian's done um, Lanzarote three times and he's done Wales once. He said he wouldn't do Wales again. Wow. <laughs> okay, there you go. But, um, yeah, Lanza, I don't know, there's something about the island. I've been there before um, to watch, spectate Adrian yeah. doing the event and also um, to train. There's something about that race that just makes you really want to do it. Right. Uh, it, is, it is tough. It's about 8,000 feet of climbing on the bike. Is it, it is a big... The sea swim is a bun fight. You know, it, it looks rough. And, and the run is in a lot... It's is going to be hot. There's no shade. So yeah. so that one will be... That, that's that's me next year. So the training for that kicks well in. Well underway, yeah. yeah. Wow. So did you meet Adrian through through doing Ironman? Yeah, okay. um, through triathlon. That's how we okay. met, yeah. And um, he's... Um, He's a veteran, if you like. He's done 15 now. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, he's, he's, he's a great athlete. I mean, his dream is to get to Kona. It's, it's very difficult, though, to, to be fast enough because, I mean, there are just so many amazing athletes, mm-hmm. age groupers, you know, people, ordinary people like you and I who just train are just, just phenomenally good at it. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, he's, he's fast, you know, so we, I, I, I believe you'll get there. Yeah. I, I, I ask if you meet between um, meet through the sport because I know that the sport can be brutal on relationships. That's what I've heard from clients and whatever. So I would say so. Yeah, I think yeah. it's um, under, and then balancing kids and stuff. It's very difficult. Yeah. So yeah, if you've got somebody who understands yes. and isn't fussed if you're going out for a five hour bike, you're going out for a five hour bike. You yeah. know that's fine. You know as long as you know and and you sort of work together on it. But yeah, we definitely we train together. Sometimes that can be good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it can be interesting. Yeah. Um, but training with somebody who's a lot faster than you can be motivating can be demoralizing, <laughs> demoralizing. Yeah, yeah. so but, but difficult for him as well i guess because how does he pitch it and he might not be getting what he needs either i suppose so yeah i mean we i mean he, his run is so much faster than mine so if when we were training for the ultra marathon what we did was we just go on time so we'd start he would go mm. and so we'd turn around at you know maybe say like, we're going to run for two hours turn around in an hour and so you finish you know at the same yeah. time so he can run at his own pace Perfect. and and that's a great way to to do it yeah. i mean yeah sometimes we we're running together but he can't possibly bring his training down to my level because it just wouldn't work yeah uh, we go to the pool together and swim we swim in different lanes that makes sense um and we bike we take we do go out together on the bike but it's a very individual sport, isn't it? So there's nothing to be gained by going out and drafting off somebody for three hours. You no, need to, to go and do yourself. So yeah. how we do it is we will say, well, I'm going to be around about this area. I might see you here. I might not. And generally we'll see each other on the route. And sometimes we do just go out for a sociable you know, ride, but you know, we do tend to get terribly competitive with each other. So, <laughs> But yeah, it can, I guess it kind of a, a strain yeah. on people's relationships. But there's no way to not do the time you need to do that's that's a tricky thing with so if for example if myself and my partner if we go oh look we haven't got a lot of time i could pop outside get the kettlebells out of the shed and do a half an hour that you that doesn't substitute what you need to do and that's a tricky thing you don't you don't cheat your way to a five-hour bike no and that's the problem so you have to go and do that so it's got to be factored in it's got to be hard. do you ever do you ever compete at the same time you ever have races at similar times which means you both have to be yeah all the time right okay I mean uh, we'll both do Lanzarote um, oh, wow. we both did California I mean so yeah and and so yeah there, I guess there is a lot um, you could say there's a lot of strain in that but actually there's a lot of excitement because yeah. we're, we're both in the same sort of phase and we've got a group of friends that tend to race you know with us and and so we're all sort of in it together I guess yeah. and uh, um, I mean yeah I mean I think I think Adrian would find it really hard to just spectate because he just, you know, he loves the sport so yeah. much. Um, so that's never happened. I've obviously been on the sidelines spectating for a few, quite a few of his events. And it's a long, it's actually hard spectating. It's, yeah. it's a long day yeah, yeah. out. Even the, the half one, it was my client's first one. So I said, yeah, I'll come along and watch. And no problem on the swim. Because I was like, right, okay, I know where the bikes are held and I'll meet him there and I watched yeah. him run past. But once he went past on the bike, I was like, okay, and that's a half. I'm going, I'm on my own now for four hours. What am yeah. I going to do? And it's only eight o'clock in the morning. So yeah. you, you're kind of a lot of waiting around and, you know, it's, it's an interesting one. Weymouth was good because they do go up and down, up and down. So you find a spot, 
in 20 minutes time he's gonna be coming back around again so mm-hmm. you know that is you know you're all right as far as that but yeah it's not it's not an easy one to go and watch it does take time but no. the events are great like you said they're well organized and they are very good and there is a real sense of community around the triathlon community i think generally around triathlon then i've not found a, a running event or or even a swimming event uh, that's not to say i haven't enjoyed those but yeah yeah, there is definitely this a lot of the spectators, mobi triathletes as well, who are maybe you know there are half of there, or they just have they've been there for the months of the training and yes. seen the agony and you know and and it's and it's great because they're there supporting and sort of chasing those goals. But actually, um, the the ultra community I think is quite similar. Right. Um, I've only done one and it was it was this year and it was sort of done a bit of a whim really. I mean, we did train for it, but you know it wasn't something that I'd planned to do at the start of the year. But that was such a fantastic day out. Honestly, it was the best because you're in amongst loads of people who are jogging along they might be walking for a bit and everybody had such a big smile on their face and was, was sort of running at a pace that they're chatting because you're not unless you're racing it you're not running at a half marathon pace or even marathon pace you're yeah, you're, you're out long. it's far too long you're out for a, a long day out on your on, on your feet yeah. and that was that was actually like a really good experience because you know everyone was so so friendly yeah so yeah i think that's good community how do you manage your your own nutrition and recovery when it comes to these sorts of things because going like you know i said earlier you went from a a sprint up to a half ironman distance it's a big jump a lot of stress on mm-hmm. the body so how do you do you do you just extrapolate your nutrition and like just take what you were having but have more calories in that and have more of what you're having or do you specifically focus on nutrition recovery and stuff like that um specifically focus on the type of session that i'm going to be doing and what the week's going to look like um so that i will plan out what i need to i mean plan in advance what i should be eating to Mm -hmm. make sure that i'm properly fueled for a longer session um and then in terms of recovery you know i I am quite a big fan of a protein uh, shake particularly after a big session um so yeah i do plan ahead quite carefully um and, and actually, recently, I've certainly for for Adrian because he, he doesn't hold, he, he's very slight and he's he's he sweats a lot mm. for his training. I mean, we all sweat a lot, but he sweats a lot. Mm. So I've started to even get him to stand on the scales before and after particular sessions to see how much fluid he's losing. Yeah. So that then we work out how much he needs to be drinking, sort of every hour, every fifteen minutes on the bike. And actually, that's a bit more scientific than I've ever been before, but yeah. it's working. Yeah. Because that the biggest thing that we've found with him is that when he gets to the he'll be fine in the swim bike get gets to the ha- half a marathon distance and he's he's done you know the, the, the last half marathon but it doesn't matter what he puts in he's he's depleted his cells so he can't get it in so yeah. um yeah it's we do i do analyze it a lot more more for him than me i suppose yeah. but but re- recovery is important and it's a huge part of, of of any sort of exercise regime isn't it and i think there's a temptation as a triathlete to do too much yeah. and to keep going keep going and you know i've actually i've actually just come off the back of a, a week where i've actually not done any training which is unheard of for me but i've been really poorly mm. but i made myself worse by going swimming when i wasn't feeling particularly well yeah, yeah it doesn't help you no so it's it, i suppose as well you got to think you probably have to think on a, on a micro level in terms of things like electrolytes and stuff like yep. that as well um so how does because there's always a question people have how do you get adequate nutrition on the bike run swim whatever so you've got 14 hours yep. of training for most people it's going to be three to four meals so you're obviously not having sandwiches and whatever on the bike not now in your basket or whatever not at this point no, not but, at this point um what are you what are you doing as far as nutrition when you're on the well if i would take you through a, a, a day like a race Please. day i would be getting up a couple of hours for the race i would have um a good breakfast which would include for me porridge um so really get some something good inside and probably at that point i would also have a bottle of of uh, electrolytes with some carbs in it maybe about 450 mils worth before the swim mm-hmm. because during the swim you're not going to be able to take on anything yeah. and it does dehydrate you a lot more than you think so uh, that and maybe a piece of fruit and you know make sure that just all the way up to the start line i'm sort of sipping on, on something you'll see i see a lot of people take gels just before the swim i, I tend to not do that um because i feel i've probably got enough on but you need to it's that balance you need to give yourself enough time for it to get into your system 
so that you're you're not going to feel like you're going to be sick in the swim. Yeah, yeah. You might be sick from nerves, but you know, yeah. you're up your nutrition. Um, and then as soon as I come off out the swim, the first thing I do would be to you know get an get an energy bar in or a protein ball or whatever it might be. Just eat something. A lot of people see first twenty minutes in the bike don't eat much, but I tend to feel like I need a little something. So it might just be like a really small amount. And then I'm drinking at least um, a bottle of 60, 60, yeah, a bottle an hour with about 60 grams of carbs um, right. all the way and eating every every 10 to 15 minutes, just small wow. chunks of, of, food, of, of energy bars. Um, I tried having a, a gel before I came off the bike before to give myself a bit of a boost, but I leave the gels to the run because on the run, I really can't eat anything but but the the gels I can stuff them in and to a point where you think oh I can't take any more but they do actually work but I know some people who just use gels like throughout the whole event um oh I don't think I could I don't think I could really do that I think my system would like that there's a lot of gastric problems with just concentrated gels constantly and that's got to be that could potentially be an issue as well right so you'll be a bit aware of that I guess yeah GI problems are quite yeah considerable I think so um just remind me how long would your typical ride be on a bike in an Ironman well six 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 hours or six and a half hours so where are you fitting six bottles you're not you're not right (laughs) you're I have a a a bottle on the front of the bike between my tri bars um and that takes yeah about it'll take about a liter maybe and then I'll have a spare bottle on the back I've got I've got room to carry two bottles in the back and one in the down tube but the more we carry the more weight you've got yeah but on, in the race itself, there are um, stations where you just grab a bottle and you just as, go, you're, going as you're going. The difficult thing is in training, you need to take enough with of you. Um, so you do find, but then again, you do find your bike's weighted down in training. Sometimes you go out with four or five bottles. I mean, I've seen Adrian go out with bottles in his back of his cycling shirt as well as three on the bike in the wow. front. The front. But... Um, or you could do a loop where you come back and refuel the house. But I tend not to do that because the temptation is to then go, oh, I'm, I'm, just done, gonna, I'm yeah. done now. Um, I guess the hard thing is the is the runs. Yeah. So I know people who who go out and drop bottles around and then come up. So that I don't really do that because I don't like sort of leaving a bottle in the, in the, no. in the countryside. I run with a fuel belt, you know, let's have a couple of bottles and, I'd, and I would tend to loop or um, sometimes um, I'll, I'll bike out. If I know Adrian's going out for a run, I'll meet him somewhere and swap him over some bottles. So, you know, we do it, we do it that way. Logistics are interesting though, right? You, think <laughs> no, you don't have to do that in any other sport that I know of. Like, there's no other thing that I think, um, right, I, you know, we, I play sports and you have breaks and you sit on the bench and you have a drink. It's completely different for you guys. Yeah, yeah. So you don't want to be wasting time either stopping and starting. And also to restart has got to be a bit of a problem, I would have thought, if you're already five hours into a bike and you've got another hour and a half to go or whatever to start picking that back up when you've stopped. Yeah. It's not fun. Yeah, definitely. And that's where you lose time as well. Yeah. So it, it is about keep going, keep moving forward all the time. So learning to grab bottles of people and, you know, do things one-handed and refilling yeah. and all of that. That's, that's part of the training as well. So... Yeah. You said you had quite a nasty spill on uh, your bike. Yeah, I um I was riding too close uh, to 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 the cyclist in front of me and I was I was I clipped the back his back wheel and and I, I crashed down on the road quite badly skidded across the road but I ended up with what this called a hematoma on the side of my leg and it, I looked like something out of a horror movie it was like a massive shelf. I I had no idea, I had no idea you could actually do that to yourself. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had other like, uh, grazes and wounds and stuff, and my cycling helmet uh, was cracked in half. But you know, I was lucky, you know, really. But um, you concussed? Yeah, probably. I was a bit. I mean, I did actually get back on the bike and ride at home, which was a bit of a stupid thing to do mm. in hindsight. But the um, the actual. Uh, my leg just took such a long time to heal but it wasn't just that it, it took me a long time to feel confident yeah. on the, and even now I guess I'm I'm probably you know much more I know I'm more cautious than I used to be I used to be very sort of gung-ho but not not so much now mm. and when I got my tri bike it took me a long time to feel comfortable in the bars out, out on, on the roads um, so I mean at this time of year it's it's lovely to go out and, and cycle but it can be um, icy and treacherous yeah. and so I'm on the turbo a lot um, at the moment um, and yeah I mean I, I guess I spend a lot more time indoors than I do outdoors on the bike these days as a result of that mm. I suppose even with the turbo it's good because it gives you the same feeling as your bike on a, on a machine but it's mm. difficult because you don't get 
the wind and you don't get the elements or you don't get any of that external stimulus I guess no I mean you're right but I mean we've recently got one of these um, smart turbos which (laughs) it's like it simulates the hills quite well for you does it yeah but it's there's nothing like being out on on the road and and the wind and the conditions and and certainly I mean we're heading out to train in in Lanza in February for for 10 days and that will be yeah that will be good good quality training Mm. Um, I think it's a shame, really, that in in this country we we're so the roads are so full, aren't they? And yeah. it's not about car drivers being at fault and cyclists not being at fault. I think you know we're we're not good at sharing the road. We're not. Um, and, and some uh, of the roads are in such bad state are, as well. The potholes are yeah, yeah, and yeah, they're not they're not so good. So you do need to be careful. I mean. Yeah, it's not like when we used to go out, you know, years ago around the country lanes, it was, it was really safe. Mm. But, um, I mean, I would say cycling on the road is in generally, is, is generally safe. Um, but you can't deny that there are people who are killed and there are accidents every day on, on their bikes, but there equally are in cars and there are pedestrians. So yeah. I guess you take your chances. But we're, I am careful. Um, very, I'm, I'm very careful about where I choose to ride. And I, I, I think Swindon is an excellent place for people who want to cycle and cycle paths, but I never, ever cycle through Swindon. Really? No, it's too busy. Too, it's too full, busy. Of, full of roundabouts and um, yeah. for a tri- on a tri bike, no chance. No. Uh, I suppose people are always looking to try and just, oh, I'll just nip in there, just get into that, do you know what I mean, and, and yeah. jump the traffic and or this yellow light I'll do. You know, it's so easy to get clipped off your bike. Yeah, it really is, yeah. Um, going out early does help, but in the winter, going out too early and, you know, the roads are slippy and everything, yeah. so it's a bit of a trade-off, but... Yeah, where I live on the, on Westwind, and I can get go straight out into the Cotswolds and, and quite easily and avoid a lot of traffic. But even the country roads, you have to be careful because a lot of people fly around the corners. Yeah. And yeah, that's an opportunity for people to put their foot down. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, so there's two two more just quick things I wanna I wanna ask you. So um, if someone wants to get into triathlon, um, how would you recommend they they start? Well, um, I would recommend that they find uh, a good tri club. Um, in fact, I've just done my British Triathlon coaching level one, so I'm sort of looking to to help some people to to get started. Um, find people who are experienced that can give you as get as much advice as possible. Um, you know, just absorb them, which is but but above all, sort of you know be be prepared for it to be quite a long journey. You know, you've got three different sports, not training for yeah. one. Um, but yeah, I, w- I would say yeah, go for it. You know, yeah. yeah. And it's not just hopping. I'll do running on Monday and I'll do swimming on Tuesday. You've got to get used to jumping in the pool and then jumping onto a bike or whatever. Yeah, brick brick sessions is what yeah. we call. You know, um, but they're not really part of the. It's not part of the program for like my base phase, or whatever. That that's more when you're coming up towards a race. Yeah, they need to be practiced. So you don't need to do brick sessions every week. Some people do because they love doing them, um, but it is about consistency. So in a big handful, it would be you know three bikes, three runs, three swims a week as a minimum, yeah. wow. and then you're you got to do that strength and conditioning. That's what stops you being injury free. That's what actually gives you the edge, particularly for the running. And you know you've got to make sure all your muscles are fine and you know your glutes are so important your core so yeah so be prepared you, you need to put the hours in, in in training so in terms of that what are you doing in terms of your snc side of things what do you do Strength weekly yeah. yeah sorry <laughs> um well we, we've got um programs that we sort of we work to i'm a big fan of the trx um actually i used to love doing kettlebells and i haven't i, I haven't done them in, in a while but you know general core work core work body weight work and core, core work which is easy and doesn't necessarily require you to go to, to a gym because it's from a time perspective so yeah it's a mixture of um making sure you're doing enough abs works uh, leg work and um yeah, just and, and and upper body strength is is really important for for swimming too. So yeah, it's all over. So we would probably look to do in an ideal world. You know, we should be doing maybe three or four sessions a week, but you know, generally we're not doing as much as, as that. But there's all there's always room to to add it in. Yeah. Um, and there's some great tips out there for like you know, make sure you, you can do some squats when you're cleaning your teeth and all of that, and yeah, with, yeah. The, with the best intentions, but you know, not not all the time. No. <laughs> 
but no, that um, makes sense. It, it does. It's fun to mix things up, and actually, Christmas is a great time to to do that when we're not necessarily working to a rigid schedule. I just dug out my skipping rope, which I I love skipping, and there's it's just a brilliant way to yeah. to keep fit and put it into a little um you know uh, interval routine or do some lunges or whatever with it. So I think that's kind of what I'll be doing over the next week or so. Brilliant, cool, good, good. Um, and then finally, if people want to get into your um your nutrition side of things and your programs. Can you start right now? Have you got influxes that you you do every month, or how does it how does it work? Yeah, any time really. Um, I mean, I'm not. I don't think Monday has to be the start day or anything like that. But yeah, I think for me, um, as long as they're ready, yeah. you know, we're ready to help. Um, so yeah, um, New Year. I think I'm expecting them. We a lot of people will be thinking about it, um, and that's great. Um, and if you are sort of half thinking about it now, I would say we'll try not to go too mad over Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and yeah, just just really any time anybody wants is thinking about it, and I'm happy to to have a you know a chat and a discussion with anyone who's sort of not quite sure. That's fine. You can get in touch with me through the website. Brilliant. So.